Are you suggesting that I killed my wife? Are you saying that I crushed her skull and that I shot her? How dare you? When I came home, there was a man in my house. I fought with this man. He had a mechanical arm. You find this man. You find this man. How tall is he? How tall is he? from me. Oh, Jesus. This is Generation Loss. Thank you for listening. This is the show about movies with me, Bryn, and Jeremy. Um, I'm, How's it I'm going? <laughs> In case that wasn't clear. In case that wasn't clear. In case you That's haven't Bryn. listened to I'm this. Jeremy. Yeah. It seems like we're getting a lot of new listeners recently, which is, uh, I don't know how. I don't know why. how or why. It's weird, but I feel like, thank you. Hello. Yeah, welcome. If you're new to the show, if you're not new to the show, welcome also. <laughs> You've always been welcome, but in case we didn't make it clear, yeah. you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome also, yeah. obviously. I don't feel like I have to spell it out. <laughs> we have sort of an understanding, you and I. Yeah. I mean, thank you, though. <laughs> but thank you. Yeah, yeah, obviously. Like, yeah, it's also important to express gratitude. So thank you. Yeah, it's like a even sometimes you build a, a castle of consent. <laughs> you, <laughs> you, uh, you still might want to tell somebody, hey. <laughs> I appreciate this thing of ours. <laughs> <laughs> this thing of ours. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so we were talking before that about um, I had to go to a shoot for work this week. And it was like the first time I've been out of the house, uh, like doing stuff since uh, the before times. Yeah. And uh, it was wild. It's really weird to be out there. Felt really good. Uh, but the big weird thing wasn't even about um, COVID at all. My big takeaway from it was just like, what a... Like, what a pathetic thing actors are. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Well, so we're, like, shooting these, like, shitty little commercials for work, right? They're, like, uh, you know, I like what I do, but, you know, nobody is, like, we're not making art. We're making right, little making commercials, right? Um, and so we have these actors who, you know, they're getting paid, like, a couple hundred bucks for the role. It's not, like, a huge thing. Um, but... So the person from costume had uh, these earrings for one of the actresses. Uh-huh. I was like, hey, can you put on these earrings? And she's like, oh, I haven't worn earrings in like a few years. I think my holes might have closed up. And she's like, oh, okay, don't worry about it. She's like, no, I'll check. And she's like jamming the thing in. And we're like, no, you don't have to do this for a couple hundred bucks. But this is like where actors' brains are at, yeah. where they're no, just I... like, you're gonna, they're going to fire me if I can't wear the earrings. I have to sh- stick them through the hole. I have to re-pierce hole. my skin. <laughs> in case they want to find another person yeah it's really the, it, the desperation of of actors is pretty baffling and scary is, yeah. sometimes but they're also i mean everyone i worked with was like really nice and great and like i don't i don't uh i don't hate them for this no I just, no like 
it's just a weird thing that happens to you when you're in showbiz. I felt the same way about comedy, you know, like stand-up comedy, you're just like such a pathetic little person where you're just like, <laughs> of course I'll I'll perform for for 4 minutes in Jersey City in front of a bar with no stage that nobody <laughs> knew that there was going to be a show. I'd love to I'd love to 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 go all the way out you, there and you, take three different trains to go do that. You want me? Me, I'm you want, the one. But you want me? That's the. It's not because I'm a committee. It's just me, right? Okay, I'm down. And who knows who's going to be at that bar in Jersey City? You know, you might get out there, and Dave Becky will be there. <laughs> <laughs> who? He was uh, Louis C.K.'s um, uh, manager. Oh God. Um, uh, well, the guy oh who, right. Who, yeah. <laughs> oh yes, Dave Becky. Okay. Yeah, the most famous uh, manager in showbiz. Um, yeah, I mean that's kind of why I don't really work in film anymore. It's just because I was—I've never been able to do that. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sort of just like, these are my ideas. <laughs> do you want to work with me? And people are like, yeah. Well, we want to do this, and I'm—I just like the idea of sucking up to someone is really hard for me. I'm mm-hmm. just like, nah, that sounds stupid. <laughs> yeah, like I'll just say that to people's face, and then they wouldn't hire me. So, <laughs> I got fired many times for being obnoxiously opinionated i think um right so you know you win some you lose some but anyway what did you watch speaking of movies what did you watch this week i rewatched two things this week um i watched um uh tootsie tootsie and i watched um uh big daddy (laughs) okay (laughs) So uh, Adam was, Sandler and Dustin Hoffman. Who directed Hoffman, Tootsie? Yeah. Do not know. Okay. Uh, but this was following a conversation that we had uh, in the future um, <laughs> where we <laughs> talked about romantic comedies. Yes. And um, we were looking at this list of like best romantic comedies. And one of them was Tootsie. And I was like, I don't remember Tootsie being a romantic comedy. Um, I have never seen it. This oh, okay. Is, so, all I know about it is Dustin Hoffman is in playing a woman. Or is so, pretending to be a woman in the movie? Yeah, so the story is that Dustin Hoffman is an actor who... Um, <laughs> Will ingratiate himself to any level. I'll yeah, be a so, woman so for that's you, the thing is, sir. <laughs> he's, got a, um, he's got this sort of uh, image of himself where he's he's actually more like the way that you are, where he's like, I won't suck up to people and I won't be a little bitch. <laughs> mm-hmm. So he doesn't get work. And the beginning oh. of the story is that he goes on all these auditions and he's doing really well. And he's got like a big agent and he's got like he's clearly had some showbiz under his belt, um, but okay. he just can't book any work because nobody will hire him because he's too opinionated and too much of a pain in the ass. Wow. This um, is very relevant to what we were just talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> it's so, almost uh, like we planned this. <laughs> <laughs> and so his agent is like, look, nobody's going to hire you. It's fucking over for you, man. You got to stop <laughs> this. And he's like, I'll get fucking hired. And so he goes and dresses up as a woman and uh, goes and gets a job on a soap as a, just a new person. And he's like, see, I can book work. And he's like, yeah, but only as another person. You don't see how, like, this is exactly what we were talking about. <laughs> like, this only works because they didn't think you were you, <laughs> you fucking idiots. Um, but then the story is that he is, like goes on this soap, and he... Um, he uh, uh, becomes like a very popular character on the show and they want to rebook him. And he's like, but I can't, then I'd have to be a woman forever. And they're like, <laughs> well, better <laughs> get on that medicine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but then he also like falls in love with um, his, his uh, co-actress on the show. But oh. she doesn't know that he's Dustin Hoffman. She thinks that she, that uh, Dustin Hoffman is like a little old lady. Um, <laughs> oh, she is, is he pretending to be a, 
an old woman? He has to because he's Dustin Hoffman. Right. You know, <laughs> he can't look like a hot young woman. <laughs> um, he looks like Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> right. So uh, this movie um, was directed by Sidney Pollack, who okay. also directed things like The Talented Miss Ripley and mm. The Firm. Um, weird, weird, uh, weird filmography, but interesting yeah. stuff. Yeah, that's an interesting connection between Ripley and this because they're both kind of about like a uh, like a pretty young Twinkie type, like trying <laughs> to pretend to be something he's not that's in order true. to like get himself into a position he doesn't belong in. What do you have to say for yourself, Sidney Pollack? <laughs> yeah, what's going on with yeah, you? What's going on with you? <laughs> but is it good? Um, it's okay. I think it's uh, it's funny. It's charming. Uh, Bill Murray is very good in it. He plays uh, Dustin Hoffman's roommate. He's very funny. Okay. Um, there's like a lot of like loose threads in the plot that just don't need to be there. Um, for how like well regarded the movie is, um, it kind of feels a little like shoddy and like a little like poorly put together. It has like a Criterion release. It's like a pretty well respected really? movie. Yeah. Holy shit. Um, That's very. And then the bizarre. other thing is that it's kind of like really homophobic in weird ways. <laughs> like I was gonna get to that. It seems like because I don't. I've never seen it, but mm-hmm. I feel like it has sort of a similar um, legacy as uh, Mrs. Doubtfire, where it's like all of these weird things where, oh, I'm a man in a situation of a woman, and that's right. very embarrassing. Sure, but at least Mrs. Doubtfire had something to fall back on by having like Harvey Firestein <laughs> as like the basis of why he's Mrs. Doubtfire, right? where you know, like they can fall back on, like, yes, he has a gay brother who is into drag, and that's how he's able to become Mrs. Doubtfire. This, it's just like, and then Dustin Hoffman goes home and dresses up like a woman and then shows up, and it works. <laughs> <laughs> and there's all these like um th- because he like falls in love with the with the co-actress and then they like go to like but the co-actress is trying to like hook her up with her dad and because like she sees Dustin Hoffman as a little old lady and so she's like you should hook up with my dad uh <laughs> and then like later the dad is like you made me fucking gay <laughs> he's like really mad about it how dare you make me how get my make me dick gay. hard for a man <laughs> um, this is disgusting <laughs> but then the weirdest part of it is that like at the end uh, they end up together and you're like, how would that ever work? Yeah. I like don't how, know what that how means. How would it ever work that the basis of the way you met each other, like, you know, years down the line, you're, you're, a, you're a long together couple at this point. How did you meet each other? Oh, he lied to me for nine months, yeah. <laughs> pretending to be an old woman, uh, kind of hooked up with my dad a little Ew. bit. <laughs> and anyway, everything's normal. He comes to my family for, for Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, uh, that... There's a lot of romantic comedies uh, that we didn't talk about in the future that have like a um, a very like this person is just lying for right. a long time uh, about really important stuff. <laughs> and then it's like there's usually a moment and it varies in uh, in intensity. Sometimes it's just like, whoops. And other times it's like in the rain and like you lied to me. How right. dare you? And then it's like, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, this is more like the first one where like she kind of is mad at first and she's like, you don't ever speak to me again. And she like starts off crying and then like he sees her on the street and he's like, look, I really love you. And she's like, oh, all right. Well, I guess we'll, <laughs> well hang out then. All right. 
<laughs> All right. I'm trying to do a Dustin Hoffman. It's very hard. I don't know how Oh, to do I really it. love you. <laughs> <laughs> He's got like a weird, like, it's almost like Al Pacino yeah. a little bit. I feel like you're just doing, uh, I feel like you're just doing uh, Rain Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, well, that's the way in, right? Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, oh, it's def- an okay definitely movie. A woman. Definitely a woman. Definitely a woman. <laughs> I am a, I am a woman, uh, old, little old lady. Uh, <laughs> I love, um, uh, phosphates. <laughs> uh, and then also, and then I also watched Big Daddy. Uh, oh yeah, because which I we t- don't. We talked about Adam Sandler a little bit. Um, and uh, that movie sucks. Yes, really bad. Thank God that you're saying it sucks because that movie sucks so bad. <laughs> it really, really sucks. Um, Speaking of homophobic. Yes. That movie is <laughs> shocking. Like, at the time, I remember being like, what? You can't yeah, say that. Dharma and Greg and Will and Grace is on TV. So the story is that uh, Adam Sandler is like a little fuck up or whatever. Um, and uh, he, uh, how does it happen? He like accidentally adopts a kid or whatever. I oh, like remember. his roommate had a kid um, with somebody else who died and then uh, the kid shows up from the orphanage and he pretends to be his roommate and he's like, hey, look, I have a kid now. And then he like raises the kid. And the kid, It's like to by prove the way, something, right? Yeah, to prove something to his ex-girlfriend uh, that he can like handle commitment or whatever. But the kid grows up to be Hot Jughead. Oh, really? On Riverdale? Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, I've never seen that show, but I've heard of Hot Jughead. Yeah, so he, he grows up to be Hot Jughead. <laughs> and, um, but funny. otherwise... The rest of the movie is like uh, he has like two friends who uh, he met in law school who are now gay and together. And there's like a lot of weird stuff where just like everybody just like they don't ever make any like explicitly like hateful jokes necessarily at their expense, but rather everybody is noticeably uncomfortable yeah. and they write that <laughs> into the script where they're just like, yeah, it's just weird that they're gay. Yeah. Can you stop being so fucking gay in in front of me, man? I love you, but God. Yeah, like they never um they never necessarily do like a like they don't like call them like anything mean or whatever. They just yeah. literally every scene they're in, somebody is like, "Ew, it's weird." Yeah, that's sort of very similar to uh to the wedding singer. And mm-hmm. Sammy from the wedding singer is the gay guy in Big Daddy. Um, right, but in that movie, uh, they have Alexis Arquette, who is a trans woman, right? Be George. a sort of like effeminate guy who you're not like supposed to understand as. It's very unclear what they even are, but like everyone is just like ew, right? <laughs> yeah, this person is disgusting, and that's the joke. But then also everyone who's nice in the movie likes them and is like fine with them. And yeah, like it's it's an int- it's a weird dynamic with George in that movie. In this one, like the I mean, the gay friends are still around, but everybody just makes it known that they're gay. Yeah. <laughs> and then the other weird thing is that um, his roommate, who's played by John Stewart, uh, his Whoa. girlfriend worked at Hooters when they met, and <laughs> oh, good. the big recurring joke in it is that she worked at Hooters and. Just that's it. That's the joke. <laughs> and Adam Sandler just like, and, and it comes down to like, just literally like she'll be there and he just goes, Hooters, Hooters, Hooters. Like, it's just Ugh. like bullying. It's not yeah. even like. It's not even, there's no joke to it. There's no joke. It's just like, I am bullying you for having shown your body to men. <laughs> 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 
man, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, it really, really sucks. But the kid is so fucking cute. Oh, He's really, really, oh, really yeah, cute. Yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. him. I only remember that is he wants his name to be Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. And I remember yeah, him being him a very his name. cute little guy. Um, but yeah, sucky movie. Did you watch yeah. it because you were like, maybe this will be a good parenting movie? Yeah, sort of. And I also was just like, I was remembering how much I like The Wedding Singer. Yeah. And then I was like, I wonder if Big Daddy holds up because it's from the same era. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and yeah, also because, you know, thinking about parenting and whatever. And I was like, maybe it'll be like a cute kid thing. And no, it, it doesn't. <laughs> it's not worth it, you know. Right. But there the are those moments, right? Like eventually in the movie. But they're, I feel like they're never as... Um, they're never as poignant as anything in The Wedding Singer, and they're definitely right. not worth getting through the slog of that shitty movie. No. <laughs> and it's like anything that's happening is like is in spite of the plot. You know, like it's the kid is cute because the kid is cute. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like there's nothing that the plot is doing where it's like it's not touching. There's no point where you're like, oh, like, look at how good they are together or whatever. It's just like, no, the kid is just doing a cute thing and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah a shame yeah. I, adam sandler's always fucking up <laughs> <laughs> i feel like he's almost he's always almost making a funny or good movie and then like m- mostly just dive bombing right yeah like i remember really liking parts of mr deeds mm-hmm. when i saw it and then just like but there's so much trash and so much filler right that you're just like i can't even stomach watching the rest of this movie <laughs> It's got good John Turturro moments, good Winona Ryder moments. Uh, yeah, but that movie sucks. <laughs> yeah. Um, what did you watch this week? Uh, I watched a movie uh, also starring um, Tootsie Guy, who was named Dustin Hoffman, <laughs> Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> um, <laughs> called Wag the Dog. Oh, I have not seen that in such a long time. Okay, this is a movie uh, that was I don't know I might may have brought it up on the show before but there were certain things that made my dad really confused about me as a child and the mm-hmm. year this came out I was probably 9 or 10 and I wanted to see it so bad like the trailers yeah. <laughs> were like awesome and like my poor dad like dealing with a, his 9 year old <laughs> who's just like <laughs> wanting to see a rated R movie about politics <laughs> right um, was very confused um but I never got to see it and I never ended up watching it. Uh, so it was like this, and um, I remember Primary Colors is like that too. That I wanted to see. Well, was like I mean, well, I feel like I have a very similar experience with Wag the Dog, where like I was a kid and I was like, I really want to see this. Yeah, I. Did it's weird too. how like advertising just like does something to your brain as a kid. <laughs> like I was really obsessed with. Um, uh, scrubbing bubbles, uh, toilet cleaner, because I was like, <laughs> their, their commercials awesome. just spoke to me, and I was like, I must. <laughs> I love them. <laughs> I must. love the bubbles. <laughs> they are adorable, and I must have them. <laughs> it's like it's toilet cleaner. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to do nothing for you, man. <laughs> no, but I really did like to see those movies for some reason. I would like see there was like lots of rated R movies that came out around that time and Wag the Dog is one that really sticks out in my head. Uh and Blue Chips. The, the Nick Nolte movie. I was also a huge basketball fan at the time. Mm-hmm. So like Shaq's first acting role. It's like a rated right. R movie about uh like corruption in college basketball. Oh, we should watch Eddie. 
Oh, I've never seen that. Oh my god. The Whoopi Goldberg what? movie, right? Yeah, Whoopi Goldberg becomes the coach of the fucking Knicks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is it good? It rules. All I mean right. it sucks, but it we'll rules. Put it on the list. But anyway, that movie too, I really wanted to see. And and I, I did see that one really young because my dad rented it and was like, This isn't that bad. Um and then we watched it and I loved it. Um mm-hmm. So I was really interested in film from a very early age. And this movie, I remember just ringing like, this is such an interesting idea. Um, and then, but I never saw it. So I finally watched it this week. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was very strange. This movie's directed by Barry Levinson, um, who did things like Rain Man <laughs> and uh, The Natural, uh, Good Morning Vietnam, Um Excuse me, but this was one of his like later, I guess later movies. He did Sphere. <laughs> uh, what else did he do? A lot of political movies. Man of the Year with uh with Robin Williams, where mm-hmm. he's like John Stewart basically, and he runs for president. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Which I never saw either. But anyway, and the cover art is him as like George Washington. Yeah, with right? the powdered wig. Yeah, yeah. Um. So he does all those kinds of movies, but this movie is kind of baffling it's it's dustin hoffman and robert de niro um and it's it's has a screenplay by someone named hillary henkin who i've never heard of um and then i think she she got nominated for academy award for this movie and david mamet yeah david mamet and it, what is he doing in there <laughs> and it feels very david mamet like lots of fast talking very like you know what sorkin sort of started riffing on um, right. Lots of fun sort of back and forths, but uh, it's all that. Like, this movie has no emotional stakes whatsoever. And that I think what's so interesting about it is it almost feels like a documentary about something that they weren't allowed to make a documentary about. Do you uh-huh. know what I mean? So the movie is about, um, if you haven't heard of it, is about... Um, uh, a scandal comes out for an incumbent president, I believe. Um, yes. And that he, like, basically, like, raped a child. <laughs> um, and they he's up in the polls, but this, they find out the scandal is about to come out. So before the, the media gets a hold of it, they come, they bring in this cleaner, who's Robert De Niro, to um, do counter-propaganda. Um pro president um and so he's like fuck this is really hard this is a really hard task uh i don't know what we're gonna do but what they figure out they do is just pretend that a war breaks out um and so they stage a war um basically completely with green screen and innuendo and like they have a military guy say some things and then spin it certain ways and leak certain things yeah. to the press. And it's all sort of um, technical. Like, it's really interested in how, you know, Robert De Niro isn't explicitly CIA, um, but that's sort of what's funny about it is that he's sort of just this, like, guy who's around, who has, like, top security clearance and no one knows who he works for. Um, right. So it's it's almost like, an episode of the X-Files if it's just about the syndicate doing terrible things and then they don't get caught. No one is looking for them. This happens all of the time. Right. And, and there's no moment... What, the thing I found so interesting about it is that there's no moment where it's like, this is where 
they sort of like put in the liberal hand wringing of like, but some of America is good and some people are trying to do their best in this system. No, <laughs> every single person in this system is a, is a power hungry, shitty, self-absorbed Yeah, fool. well, it feels like that was like a very 90s view of the government where like it was still resigned. Like people still felt like they were resigned to what the world was, but they hated every politician. Yeah. Like, I feel like that was my dad's political position a lot when I was a kid was like, he would have called himself an anarchist, but I don't think that he really understood anarchism at all. I think he Mm -hmm. just hated all politicians. (laughs) Right. And you should, (laughs) that's the correct, that's the correct opinion. Um, But it's, it it feels so bizarre to see Robert De Niro and um, Dustin Hoffman play these characters who are just like, doing something so incredibly evil um people die in the movie and it's like Mm -hmm. not even really played for laughs like it's not a particularly funny movie um like there's some stuff woody harrelson's character is very silly he plays like this uh military guy who's like shell-shocked and dumb um and his death is sort of played for laughs but it's not over the top enough to be like really fucked up <laughs> and then there's right. just, like a smash cut to them like all like holding their heads <laughs> um it's pretty dark it's a very dark comedy um and i was just so surprised by that i really assumed that there was going to be because it was very lauded at the time uh it was nominated for academy awards and i was assuming that there was going to be some level of like pro America anything pro democracy I don't know I thought they were but this feels like a just America is bad <laughs> and yeah this is how and this is how they trick you into believing things that aren't true um step by step more interested in like being accurate I feel than right. being like funny or, at least, or like, playing it out right it's way more interested in being accurate and and technical than it is in like making you feel anything for the characters or investment in any of the plot because right. they win at the end but you don't feel good about it <laughs> <laughs> Dustin Hoffman doesn't feel good about it no it, the only person who feels good about it is Robert De Niro who's sort of like yep I did my job and then it's over um, right. very strange movie <laughs> you've seen it yeah yeah, but not for ages. I saw it like in the in. I mean, I probably saw it around when it came out on video. What was your take on it then? I mean, I was a kid. I probably was just like, "That was cool." That was cool. <laughs> I feel like I remember it being like, like it. It's one of those things that like maybe I like would have categorized in my head as being like for adults, right? Right. Totally. Where, Me too. Where you don't understand it at all, <laughs> and you don't like it. You but don't like. You're it. like, but you're like, but but I like it because I want to be an adult. <laughs> Uh, you know like i feel like i i feel like i forced myself to like enjoy things like i remember very distinctly one time uh so you remember southwest uh airlines used to um they used to do like what do they call it uh like uh like gangway seating how do they call it when like the way they used to do it was that like you would buy a ticket but it wouldn't have a seat number oh yeah sure and so everybody would board at once and you line up and you just sit wherever you can, right? Mm-hmm. And so my dad and my brother and I were going out to Arizona to visit my grandparents. And we got there too late. We couldn't get seats together. 
And so I was sitting next to some dude. Do not know who this dude is. No idea. Just some adult <laughs> man. Who and you I'm had sitting to impress to. him. Of course, because he's an adult. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm, I don't know, like 10, 11 years old. <laughs> so like, uh, like, how am I going to do it? I'm on a Southwest flight. I don't have a lot to do. I have a, I have a book to read. So I like read my book. And then the lady comes by with the drinks. And she's like, what would you like to drink? And I was like, coffee, black. <laughs> <laughs> First cup of coffee I've ever had in my life. <laughs> It has to mean I have a large <laughs> penis with big balls that are dropped. <laughs> I have a hairy chest. I'm a mature, I'm a mature adult man, and I'm having a black coffee, which I take a sip of, and then look at him and say, "Good coffee." <laughs> Honestly, though, if I, as an adult now, a ten-year-old kid, was oh, you'd like, love it. I'd be are like, you kidding? I'd be like, really? <laughs> Incredible. I would I would delight. <laughs> I would be so delighted to see it. Yeah. No, I never I don't ever remember purposefully doing things I didn't like mm-hmm. to impress adults, but I do remember wanting credit in my mind for the things that I thought adults should like. Right. Like, like what? Like I got into like weird music really early on and weird like experimental film early on mm-hmm. and i you know or books too like i would read like science fi- like uh like non-fiction science books like right in middle school and i just like sit and be like look at adults be like yeah you better be impressed <laughs> 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 yeah i'm too young to read this i know <laughs> but this is like the kind of movie that um i would have sat through watching with my dad and then at the end of it, I would have been like lost. I probably would have like zoned out several times, and then I would have been like, "Great movie." <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm like I had the same sort of uh, sickness of like wanting mm-hmm. to be appreciated, but I also really did like that. <laughs> yeah, um, and I, maybe it was just because of the way the adults in my life treated me; like they just didn't care. They're like, right. yeah, whatever you can like. Well, it's also because my parents are Republicans who, and they didn't like that kind of stuff. Like mm-hmm. they would have been like, this is boring. <laughs> you know, like my parents still to this day are like, I don't want to watch something about politics. This long three hour movie, like this is right. boring, but I wanted them to think I was cool for liking it. Well, um, we would have, um, the context in which I would have seen this would have been like, so when when I was getting my parents, uh, when they got divorced, like the visitation was every other weekend with my dad, right? Uh-huh. And so we would, at the beginning of the weekend, he would pick us up on a Saturday morning, and we'd go to Blockbuster, and each of us would rent a movie, right? And uh, we'd watch all three movies, like over the course of a weekend. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it would be like one pick each. Mine would always be like some sort of uh like either an action movie of the day or some sort of anime thing my brothers every week sergeant bilko oh right you told me about my that. dad's <laughs> would be something like this <laughs> oh because your parents are like new york libs yes uh-huh. yes See, I, well i guess my dad is like sort of a he's he kind of like libertarian he, he would have called himself a libertarian yeah, yeah my dad too but he watched fox news yeah um Anyway, I thought Wag the Dog was very interesting, and I really mm-hmm. enjoyed watching it. And I would recommend it be, if you, you know, just for the politics of it, because it's. I finished Chaos this week. Um, yeah. And uh, finally, after months <laughs> uh, of once, I basically was almost. I was halfway through it, and then once quarantine stopped, I was like, I can't read. I'm freaking out. Uh, but I started it back up, and I finally finished it. Um, 
and uh, I was really hankering for more like evil things that the government does. And this, if you want that, this movie really delivers. It's this will scratch the itch. It's incredibly uh, fucked up what happens in that movie, and I'm, it's hard to believe it exists. Um, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. So let's talk about what we both watched this week, uh, which is my pick. Uh, is also totally fits into what we're talking about a movie that i desperately wanted to see the year it came out um Mm -hmm. which is way too adult for me at the time but i did see it pretty early on the fugitive and Uh, actually really fitting into this uh this the sequel to this is something that i for sure uh saw with my dad and my brother on one of those weekends uh, U.S. Marshals. Yeah, U.S. Marshals, which I which remember. sucks. <laughs> I, yes, it sucks. I but mean, I, I liked it when like it came it, out, yeah. obviously, but I mean, <laughs> it definitely sucks. It's not great. Um, I believe it's directed by the same guy, though. Uh, I think so, and the uh, the screenplay is written by the guy who made the TV show The Fugitive. Oh, I am wrong. Um, it's not directed by the same person, but stars, obviously... Tommy Lee Jones as the Marshals because okay so the fugitive is directed by Andrew Davis who did a bunch of other terrible movies like under siege um collateral damage uh holes <laughs> yeah holes would maybe be the best movie on this list um i liked chain reaction when i was a kid uh but i'm sure it's bad it's keanu and morgan freeman um mm-hmm. but anyway uh it's a movie that is much better than it has any right to be, um, mm-hmm. in my opinion. It's a movie where Harrison Ford plays a rich doctor who has a rich wife, um, whose wife uh, is mysteriously killed while he after a fundraising party, uh, and uh, he comes home and finds her and is convict is charged and convicted with her murder. Yeah, uh, he absolutely gets railroaded by the legal system. Is completely sentenced to death. Um, on his way to being uh, killed, uh, <laughs> uh, sent to the prison to death row, um, he is railroaded by an actual railroad. <laughs> uh, uh, and the bus is, crashes, and uh, almost everyone dies except for two uh, corrections officers and one other inmate, um, who he has a role in saving the one of the corrections officers. Um, so then... The U.S. Marshals figured this out, and the movie is off. Within the first 10 yeah. minutes of the movie, we get this setup. Um, a ton, it does, it's, it's, it, it does a ton in a very short amount of time. And now Harrison Ford is on the run to prove that he didn't kill his wife. Um, and then you get a sort of twisty, um, a little bit paint-by-numbers uh, whodunit story um, yeah. where... Uh, Harrison Ford is trying to figure out that uh, someone hired someone to kill his wife, and then you find out who it is. And then, uh, yeah, have you ever heard the term uh, "one armed man"? This is where it comes oh, from. Oh yeah, there's a ton of stuff that this culturally affected. Yeah, the the ripples from this in the pond of pop culture are are, are, are very vast. Are great, yeah. yeah. So, and that's uh that's the movie. Uh, he, we can spoil it. I think it's a very old movie. Uh, yeah. They finally. Basically, as soon as he proves his innocence to the viewer, the U.S. Marshals catch up with him, and he proves it to them as well, and they start 
Tommy Lee Jones's character starts to understand his motivation and because he realizes he's innocent, he's able to actually catch him for that reason. And uh, they catch him and he gets his vengeance sort of. And uh, you basically leave with the movie where it seems like the system knows he's innocent and something good will be done. Uh, yeah, hopefully. We don't really know. We don't know that, <laughs> but yeah, so that's the movie. Uh, so what did you think of it? I mean, I love this movie. Okay. I've seen it before. <laughs> we don't have to hide uh, it. <laughs> yeah, we, we both are v- very familiar. It's, it's, a, it's a classic film. I mean, it's, this is like one of those... It's one of those movies that, like, if you haven't seen it, you've seen it. You've seen enough of it that, like, kind of what I was saying with The Fly, where, like, you've seen enough parody and reference and stuff that, like, most of the stuff that's happening in it is no surprise to you. Like, you know what's going to happen before yeah. it happens because you've seen it. And you that, know? The Fly is also, you know, like we said uh, in that episode, that's where be afraid be very afraid came from mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like yes. really <laughs> that <laughs> that seems like ancient uh but th- this movie i think uh, the reason i wanted to talk about this movie um besides the fact that it was so sort of uh mind forming for me um mm-hmm. is that i i don't think it's as classic as uh i think it should be where i think that this should be in the pantheon of where people consider like Die Hard, or um, you know, one mm. of those sort of more classic action movies, I feel like this one sort of gets lost a little bit because of how it's not exactly an action movie. Um, right. It definitely did have a lot of cultural um, effects in the '90s, but I feel like once the 2000s happened. People sort of stopped caring about it, and only recently have I seen the movie sort of pop back in anybody's imagination. And it's generally from people our age, mm-hmm. um, people who, you know, saw it when they were in high school. At- yeah, it doesn't really get that same sort of like um, like epic redditor dude sort of meme status, yeah, where exactly. like it it doesn't have the like tip of your tongue sort of thing, where like like Die Hard is like synonymous with a lot of stuff. Like people will like use it as a synonym for like, like badass, like manliness, the whatever. The best action movie, the best yeah. Christmas movie. It's yeah. one of the best movies. Uh, right. And it's a fine this, movie. I think part of it is, yeah, that this is harder to classify because I wouldn't have thought of it as an action movie at all. I yeah. think it's, I put it as thriller, right? Yeah. I think this is absolutely in the, in the realm of, of like, um, it's it has more in common with like uncut gems than it yeah. does with um Die Hard. With Die Hard. And yeah. I feel like uh this came up last year because uh my boyfriend had not seen it or really mm-hmm. heard of it and and after talking with a few friends like there's people who've seen it at you know the age we saw it um and then there's people who just don't know. Or if they've heard of it, it's like in the same sentence as like frantic and witness and like right. sort of the, the the series of adult thrillers that Harrison Ford did in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just really, I if, you, if you're one of those people who kind of think of it as like, oh, a movie that, you know, Harrison Ford did, watch the movie. Like this movie is so crazy. <laughs> because it's, it, it definitely is more of a like it's 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 got a lot more to chew on than something like Die Hard does right it has a lot more like it, it's 
it's more of a film, you know? It yeah. like it just it feels like they did more, you know? <laughs> like the acting is superb. Incredible. That's like one of the one of the most shocking things about it to me is like that sure, like the directing is very good at building suspense and like it, it paces itself really well. I think there's like maybe a, a bit at the end where it starts to get a little hazy and uh, yes. confusing and you're like, I don't really, I'm not really following this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but like the, the, the performances that hold this up, like Harrison Ford is pretty good, but Tommy Lee Jones is like unbelievably good in this. <laughs> and uh, Joe, uh, Joe Pantoliano or whatever. Yeah, um, Joey Pants. Joey Pants is fucking fantastic in this. So the thing that really sets this movie apart is how likable all of the characters are. Are mm-hmm. not even just likable because like especially well when I was a kid every cop was very likable in this movie. Um, right. What's interesting as I've grown up is I feel like there's definitely I don't know if it's intentional, but I really like the realism of this film and how they treat the police um Mm -hmm. where the police are very charming people um right but well the marshals are the marshals right the police are idiots the police are either (laughs) idiots or corrupt or both right the uh it's shocking how bad they are in certain cases and i remember watching the movie when i watched it last night uh there's a scene where harrison ford is his his the, the prisoners on the bus try to stage a coup and stab one of the guards. And then the fat asshole liar guard just starts fucking pumping a shotgun into people. Um, yeah. And even as the, and then he shoots the driver who dies. Um, and then the bus careens off into the, the forest and they crash while that's happening. He's still firing. And I remember that specific shot as a kid being like, why would he still be shooting his gun? Yeah. And then like, now that I'm an adult, I watch it and be like, oh, that makes sense. Like this guy is a fucking asshole who's just a complete maniac. Yeah. He's just waited for this moment his whole life. (laughs) It doesn't matter if he's careening into a ditch in a moving bus. He's going to kill all of these prisoners with his, with his gun. Um, And, and I think that there is a certain level of realism with the cops where, even the U.S. Marshals, who are likable um, as people, are doing their jobs, which is not justice. Mm-hmm. And the movie explicitly tells the, the the viewer, like, basically, Kimball is a good guy who is, a, you know, a very successful and good doctor who loved his wife. And he's mm-hmm. going to prison for something he didn't do. Um, and so you're never on the side of the U S marshals, right? Like they're always doing something bad. And I remember being a, you know, a kid and watching him say, I didn't kill my wife. And Tommy Lee Jones says, I don't care. And being right. like, that doesn't seem right. <laughs> well, but the, the movie does a really interesting thing where it, positions the marshals in a specific way where they're like the the marshals aren't here to do justice the marshals are here to find missing people right Mm -hmm. their job never was to find was to to find out who killed this woman like that to them has already been done by the police the detectives the courts you know to them that's already long over so when he says i don't care you're like i get that of course you don't that's not what you're here for (laughs) but then when you see the rest of the world around it you're just like where then do you seek justice yeah because 
because you see these idiot cops who are you know you know pumping lead into these prisoners and you see like the court that just like, refuses to hear his case in any meaningful way and you're like where does he seek justice and and throughout the whole movie as you know he's figuring out who the one-armed man is and and who paid the one-armed man and like it's all coming together and you're like but what like what does he do with this information on the other side right. of this and at the end when Tommy Lee Jones is like I know you didn't do it but I still am like you're still handcuffed in the back of a car you know <laughs> like yeah and, and then, like what what happens next is the question like wh- what do you do when you've like caught the guy who killed your wife but you've already been convicted and you've like committed so many crimes to like <laughs> try to find who really did it it's hard to I think it's hard for me to talk about this movie without comparing my opinion of it as a child and a teenager to how it is now, where I thought that watching it when I was young, uh, it felt like a movie that was a little exaggerated. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, well, they would clearly want to investigate who did it. Like, why are the cops being so mean? I'm sure it's just a movie. And like, you know, the more you learn about the reality, it, it's it's a nightmare because of how realistic it is. Where right. he's sitting in this room talking to the cops, which he should not be doing. Um, and they're saying like, well, we're trying to find the guy. He's like crying over his dead wife. And they're like, what, what color was hair? What color are his eyes? You know, and it's just like infuriating and you want to punch the right. cops. And those same detectives later are like shown to be complete morons when the when Tommy Lee Jones is like, so what's the motive? Like, yeah. why did he do that? And they and and the cop is the detective is like, well, he she Money. was rich. Yeah. And he's like, he's a doctor. He's all he's rich. And he's like, well, she was more rich. <laughs> It's like, shut up. <laughs> you idiots. <laughs> what the fuck? Um, um, yeah, one of the things that was really strikingly realistic this time that really, I don't know if this was an intentional piece of commentary or not, but I noticed it right away when the bus crashes and everybody you know, either dies or escapes. Uh, one of the other people who escapes is his is another prisoner. It's a, a big black guy who he, he met a minute earlier. Who's like, I don't care which way you go, but don't follow me. And he disappears into the woods. And then uh, Harrison Ford runs off into the woods. And then once we see the marshals show up, they only ever talk about the doctor. They're yeah. only like when they're saying like, I want every hen house, outhouse, doghouse, whatever. Like uh-huh. they're talking about the doctor. And when they send out the the chopper and whatever, they're only talking about him. And then when we finally see the other guy again, he's uh, hidden away uh, with his girlfriend or his wife or whatever. And then they just run in and essentially like spend maybe a minute like trying to get him, and then they just murder him. <laughs> yeah, they fucking execute him. I mean, yeah, and and so the, the thing that was so shocking this time is like how realistic it is that like to them the priority is this guy. Like he's the one who's gonna get the Dylan Roof Burger King. Yeah. you know, he's the one who's gonna get the treatment where they're like, we got to do anything we can to find this guy, bring him in alive. It's already a <laughs> foregone conclusion what's gonna happen to the other guy. Right. Well, we'll find him. Obviously, we've yeah. He, He's in the system. That's the thing. It's like he, we know where his. They they just go to his girlfriend's house and he's right. there. And it's like, well, probably know where this guy is. Like mm-hmm. he doesn't have anywhere else to go. And the thing about Kimball is he's got rich doctor friends and right. like who are like he's got a very rich lawyer and they tap his lawyer's phone and like he's intelligent and smart and like. Co- 
Cooper, I think, is the other guy's name. Uh, Copeland. Um, and he uh, he's just like, well, we'll probably just go kill him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's it's very shocking and upsetting. And I always found that scene very upsetting because it's like mm-hmm. you're watching a movie about a guy who was in the exact same situation as that guy. And then he just gets killed. Like, wouldn't Kimball do the same thing that 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 guy would have done yeah uh if he was in the same situation and then they just murder him so (laughs) tommy lee jones just kills a black guy on screen and you're like well at least uh newman didn't get killed (laughs) yeah and they they play it off too they're like like he goes up to him he's like you think i should have bargained with that man i don't bargain yeah and you're like all right gross (laughs) you probably should yeah (laughs) you are not just because you have a license to kill people (laughs) doesn't mean you should but i mean to be fair like he's a monster in both like he's a bounty hunter basically like right he has he's just uh, uh he's barely a lawman like he's there to capture a man two men mm-hmm. and he fucking just opens fire multiple times in the middle of like public places yeah. waving his gun around uh and there's a port part where um harrison ford goes to uh a police precinct to talk to a one-armed man who turns out not to be the one who he's looking for um and then so he's like surrounded by cops uh and they find him and then he runs away and tommy lee jones starts just firing at him (laughs) yeah and it's like jesus because you know that's what happened it's like in a narrow corridor it's like a really dangerous place to be firing a gun (laughs) um Um, yeah so but but even though they're obviously my he's basically a mindless killing machine like he's still a very entertaining person to watch um Mm -hmm. you kind of get his frustration with the stakes that they've very carefully set up um very like charming acting choices that he makes too yeah like he has like a very fun like i mean it's stuff that you come to know later as just like tommy lee jones ass shit (laughs) but like there's like some just fun character quirks that he'll do where he's like uh, when he like describes the donut, and yeah. he's like, "Find me a donut, chocolate frosted, with those little sprinkles on top." <laughs> yeah, the outhouse doghouse line. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, there's a ton of stuff, and there's a reason that this that the sequel to this movie, a that this movie even got a sequel at all, but b that the sequel is not about Kimball, the Harrison Ford character, the main character, but the, right. the team of marshals who are just very fun to like watch because they're so work a day and i think that's it's it's interesting because the only time you really get to see people like this who are sort of or very often in a in a big big movie like this uh is cops you know you very yeah. rarely get to see just like people working who are just normal guys but these people this group of people Newman and Russo and the black woman whose name they hardly ever say. <laughs> right. Um, they're all really fun to hang out with. Um, yeah, they're like... Um, they seem like they're just they, doing they a job. they talk shit. Yeah. Yeah, but they like riff and they like they like roast each other and stuff. Yeah. And like, that's what you want to see, you know? Exactly. Um, and they're so fun. Um, Joey Pants, uh, like, Tommy... T- one of the first things you hear him say is Tommy Lee Jones is like, 
Ruzo, why are you doing this? Blah, blah, blah. And like, he just starts talking over him. He's like, why are you yelling at me? Why don't you yell at him for some reason? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, you, you don't usually get to see that kind of like, almost like Cassavetes style banter where they're just like talking yeah. or Robert Altman kind of banter where they're just like talking over each other. It feels very mash in places where there's like a ton of people talking. Yes. Um, uh-huh. Especially and those it's like, it's scenes. very lived in, you know, yeah. it's like, they feel like, like, it's so rare that you get a cast of characters working so well together that it feels like they've they've known each other a long time. Like you get a sense instantly that like the like this this group of people have existed before and after the parameters of this story. Absolutely. You know? And and it's because of the little moments they take uh out of the movie. A very sh- you know, tight feeling movie. But you get these little moments of like um like when they're at that precinct that I was talking about before where Kimball's going to find the one-armed man who turns out not to be him, uh, one of the guys, the mustache guy who looks like Mike Ditka, uh, I can't remember his name, but uh, he's like, oh, I don't know, this is Hinky. Why would he do this? And Tommy Lee Jones yeah. is like, what's this Hinky? Well, he's like, yeah, it's, like it's like weird. He's like, I don't want you boys using words that have no meaning. <laughs> yeah, just say weird. <laughs> <laughs> and he calls them like my son's. Yeah, my or my kids. Like yeah. he shot one of my kids. I couldn't let that stand. <laughs> yeah, and so it's like they're a team in a way that feels very real. And and while they do pretty heinous and uh, terrible things, being cops, obviously, um, right? It it's still hard to not see their humanity and 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 kind of enjoy their presence when they're on lo- when they're on screen. Um, there was an interesting thing that I noticed this time. Um, around them and it's because of all the shit that's been happening in portland sure and kind of you know seemingly maybe happening everywhere soon uh which is these (laughs) sort of like unmarked unidentified federales who are just like disappearing people and whatever yeah and there's an interesting thing that happens in this movie where like the marshals are always wearing like plain clothesy outfits Mm mm-hmm but then there's like a moment before everything they do where they like pull down a like secret <laughs> flap <laughs> to I reveal that, that, that they're marshals. <laughs> it's like a big block yellow letters that says U.S. Marshals. Yeah, but it's like hidden under like a piece of Velcro that they like pull down on each other's backs and yeah. stuff. <laughs> That's really funny. There's a um, one of the best scenes in U.S. Marshals, the movie, mm-hmm. uh, is when... Um, you see a street corner and there's like a mascot who's like a chicken, like selling, a s- selling something like on the side of the yeah, road, holding yeah, a yeah, sign. Dude. And yeah. then it like looks directly at the camera and then pulls out a gun. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then it like pulls down its little like feathers and it's got a badge. <laughs> it's like one of the funniest things in the movie. And there's not really anything else like that in the movie, but uh, yeah. it turns out to be Tommy Lee Jones in a chicken costume. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I gotta rewatch U.S. Marshals. Maybe I'm giving it too much, uh, too much stick here. I mean, I remember being disappointed because it's not as tight and fun and interesting as The Fugitive, but right. uh, it's it's definitely kind of a fun time. Uh, Wesley Snipes is good in it. Anyway, yeah. back to The Fugitive. Um, not one thing we should talk about before we finish up uh, is that the. Uh, the bad guy in the movie turns out to be uh, Big Pharma. Yeah, and I feel uh-huh. like, uh, so they basically, it's 
actually never really explicitly said, but it seems to imply, because he asks her, like, why did you kill my wife? Um, and I think it's implied that they meant to kill him. Right, yes, he does say that. Yeah, he says, I was the target. Yeah. Um, but then, and they meant to kill him because he had found out that they had, that this very large uh, drug company had falsified studies and that their drug was causing uh, liver cancer, I believe. Yeah, like liver damage, some sort of like liver failure it was, type of it thing. It was killing people. Some new drug that they were making billions of dollars off of. And he found out, and instead of doing anything about that, they just decided to kill him. And then they caused this whole thing to happen. Um, which is interesting. And an interesting, um, especially for the time, because this was 1993, yeah. right? Yeah, 93. Um I don't remember Big Pharma being as big of a target as it is now. It felt like it maybe was just chosen as, well, we want him to be a doctor so he can do this whole, you know, one-armed man plot line. Um, And so I guess a good thing to do would be drug companies. They're big and, but it, it's so pointed (laughs) that it's like, yeah, it feels like it had to be, intentional in some way yeah i don't really know enough about like 90s like cultural like the understanding of so to really like say whether or not people were already frustrated with big pharma uh, but it is interesting it's 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 kind of where the movie falls apart for me though it's yeah. like the one thing that i would say is kind of a weakness of it and it doesn't really matter i kind of wish in a way that they treated the end the way they treat the beginning where they kind of like at the beginning they really rush through everything right mm-hmm. and they're just like all right here's our guy he's a doctor he's got a wife she dies he is accused of it they railroad him he goes to jail and now he here escapes, we are yeah. on the bus you know <laughs> yeah. and and then then we're in right i kind of wish that they had that sort of casual nature at the end where they're just like and it turns out the one-armed man was paid by this big company the end you know like mm-hmm. i don't really care <laughs> that much about his friend uh the red herring of like the other friend who we've never met really didn't mean anything to me yeah like it's it's kind of because of the lack of care setting it up a lot of this payoff later with like red herrings and stuff it just is stupid because you're like i i don't know who any of these people yeah, are yeah. so like when you introduce little... like it's a different one of my old friends you've never met <laughs> Yeah, it gets a little bit convoluted at the end, and I definitely always felt that, where it was just like, I, I think one of the reasons it feels that way is because uh, I don't know if I could have really described, the first like five times I've seen this movie, I don't know if I could explain to you what happens at the end. Right. Like, it's very kind of confusing why this drug, like, it feels like it's concerned you're not going to understand that a drug company could be evil. Right. And yeah. and they really are trying to, you know, lots of money was at stake. And it's very important for you to understand that he, this guy who was you thought was his friend is actually in cahoots with this big drug company. And they called, you know, it's trying to explain that to you. And, and it, it it just really halts the flow of the movie. Right. Um, and then the whole action sequence where like this random other doctor and him are fighting feels sort of silly at the end yeah, like it sucks. there's no 
that there's no chase it's just like are they gonna hurt each other even like yeah they're just like it's like uh i mean harrison ford especially is very guilty of this throughout his career where like he's been an old guy for so long that like like every (laughs) time they make him do action scenes you're like you can't do this man like in in the in the last star wars that he was in when you see him like running around (laughs) with like his arms are like all the way down at his like hip yeah uh, yeah, and the thing is, is like within the con- within the context of the movie, he's a middle aged doctor. Like he's not right. supposed to be an action star, and so I don't know why you would have chosen. It would have made sense if he like quickly dispatched with his friend and like put him in handcuffs or something, and then there was like a tense raptor type Jurassic Park scene with the U.S. Marshals where he's like still has to prove something or something. Right, but like you can't make a tense action scene with two middle-aged doctors. Like it does, it yeah. feels weird, and that it really, it's not tense. It feels silly, and it sort of just ends the movie um, before it's too late. But besides that, I think the movie is incredibly fun. We, you know, yeah, there's and huge, it like more than makes up for that. <laughs> yeah, there's. I mean, it it definitely has a big peak. Like right at the beginning with the the train crash, the bus crash, jumping off of the the waterfall, um, and then it sort of like slowly goes down because then then it's a lot of like him running from uh, the cops and and sort of sneaking through hospitals and meeting Julianne Moore. Uh, yes, <laughs> interesting thing that I noticed. I don't know if you noticed it. Julianne Moore, very tiny part. Tiny part. Uh, fourth build in the in the closing credits yeah i guess she i think that she had some role recent like right before the release of the movie where she had like gotten bigger and like they were like oh slap her on there or something yeah i'm trying to look at her filmography because it it really is a very small (laughs) part that she's in it's one scene it's literally one she before this she's in uh in reverse order benny and june well that can't be that big Body of Evidence. I don't think the so. The Gun in Betty Lou's Handbag. <laughs> the Hand That Rocks the Cradle. I feel like that was a big TV movie, but... And Tales from the Dark Side, the movie. I guess there's just really not that many people in the movie, so they're like, well, she's a name. We had her in the yeah, movie. Yeah, I so. wonder if she just, like, maybe she had a really good agent. Yeah, or maybe she just, just like, was, like, friends. Who just got her higher with billing. With Harrison Ford or something, yeah. I don't know, could but she she pops up in this movie. She's good. Uh, the scene's Jane good. Lynch also pops up. Oh yeah, Jane Lynch is in it for some reason, uh, yeah. and obviously as like a basically a character actor at the time, but people know who she is now. Um, but yeah, besides having like a real weird curve because it's an adult thriller, like they don't it it has more action than you'd expect for an adult thriller, and it's all packed at the front, and then it sort of becomes this kind of very fun. Uh, who done it with some really great characters and some really great acting. So if you haven't seen this movie, I guarantee you will really have fun with it. If you yeah. like, if you like thrillers, if you like like kind of action movies, uh, check it out. I recommend it. It's a fun movie. Yeah. Even with like the bullshit kind of back end of it, mm-hmm. like you've had enough fun at that point that you're like, whatever. You just want to see him wrap it <laughs> up and you're yeah. like, yeah, they're wrapping it up. Uh, we gotta finish it somehow. <laughs> I do. I always wanted it to be clear that something good happens. Like when I was mm-hmm. a kid, I want. I was like, well, so 
like Tommy Lee Jones is going to like file an injunction or an appeal or something, right? Like they know he's innocent and he's going to be able to not go to death row. Right. But like that, <laughs> that's not in the movie. And this no. time you're watching it like in real life, he probably would have just gone back to death row. Like there's yeah. no way, like he was probably going <laughs> to even, even best case scenario. They do. His lawyer is able to file an appeal for new evidence and, have a mistrial like he's gonna be in prison minimum a few more years yeah like i i would have liked it either to yeah be clear that something good happens or be clear that a bad thing happens right because that, like if if the end of it is just like you've seen the wheels of justice work against this innocent man and now you're gonna watch him crush him right and possibly two innocent men i mean we don't know <laughs> any or you know all the people on the bus could be yeah, it's not good to you know. I feel like this was like one of those early sort of anti-death penalty movies where it's mm-hmm. like, well, what if they're innocent? We'll never know. Um, but it's like, well, what if you didn't even like? What if they were innocent and they and you didn't put them to death? You know, like what if they're yeah. innocent all the time? Uh, what if they were innocent and the black guy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what if the black guy was innocent too? You just murdered him extrajudicially. Uh, so there's some interesting stuff, but it's really not a very political movie. I guess it kind of is a political movie. Like it's, it's about big pharma and cops and the, how the justice system fails a lot of the time. Um, yeah. but it just is so much more interested in figuring out who killed his wife and having a good time with the marshals that it's, it kind of falls under the radar. So, but either way, I think it's a fun time. Yeah, I would definitely recommend it. Uh, hundred percent. Highly recommend. Hell yeah. Harrison Ford, King. <laughs> Did King Among Men. Tommy Lee Jones, King. Best performance. Un- unreal time period for both of them because they yeah. both go on to do like uh, Air Force One is like pretty closely after this. Men in Black is pretty closely after oh, yeah. this. Yeah, they were swinging for the fences. Yeah, I would love to watch Men in Black again. Ooh. I haven't seen that in ages. Yeah. Love that I movie. Watch, I, lo- I loved that. I, would on v- I had it on VHS. I might VHS. just watch it for fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good thing about this podcast. It makes you watch movies for fun sometimes. Yeah. Just to be like, hey, I guess I could talk about this maybe. Um, yeah, because I do need, I always need something to talk about at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. You better throw something on there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's been The Fugitive. Thank you for listening to Generation Loss. It's been me, Bryn. Uh, you can follow me at Kinematography on Twitter. You can follow Jeremy at Jeremy Thunder. You can follow the podcast at Gen Loss Pod. And if you'd like to hear more, Uh, of this kind of talking about movies from us you can go to our patreon at patreon.com slash generation loss we put up bonus episodes where we either talk about movie news or pick a topic and do fun like dream castings and stuff like that yeah Uh, like what ifs what big what ifs uh your favorite type of marvel comics (laughs) uh (laughs) anyway uh, it's fun time over there check us out you can also get access to our discord which uh is a fun time too uh, otherwise, we will see you next time. Yeah. Also, um, congratulations to our friend of the show, Chris Wade, who got married apparently while we were recording. Oh, really? <laughs> I see. Yeah, I just pulled up Twitter. Oh, he. Um, okay. Congratulations, Wade. Uh, so, congratulations for them for tying the knot. Mazel tov. Uh, many, many happy returns. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations, homie Wade. Ass. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Yeah!
Shut your mouth and prove it. 